Now, we're, we're going to continue today through this uh, series that Pastor Ron started called 40 Days of Purpose, and it kind of covers that time for the disciples of Jesus after he, he went into heaven and, and before uh, the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit fell and everything really changed. And so last week, just to give you a recap, Pastor Ron really talked about this idea of the Holy Spirit and how in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit would come on people and, and that would allow them to do incredible things, and, and that still happens today, but we also have the amazing advantage of having the Holy Spirit inside of us, the Spirit dwelling in us, and how that makes a huge, huge difference. And where he left us, the, the angels are sitting there talking, the disciples are kind of looking up in the sky, and uh, they say, all right, now get out of here, go, quit waiting around. And then they go and they find a room, and we're going to read, they find a room and they sit around. So, um, but we're going to look at that a little bit. So we're going to pick up in, in verse 12 of Acts 1, and we're going to read together. This is what it says. Then the apostles returned to Jerusalem from the Mount of Olives, a distance of half a mile. When they arrived, they went to the upstairs room of the house where they were staying. Here are the names of those who were present. Peter, John, James, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, Simon the Zealot, Judas, son of James. They all met together and were constantly united in prayer, along with Mary, the mother of Jesus, several other women, and the brothers of Jesus. So they, they, they're kind of shooed away by these angels to go find somewhere else to be, and they gather in this upper room. And, and we need to understand, um, sometimes when we read the Bible, they're telling us a, a what, what happened, and so we kind of think that it's all very chronological. And so it's not that they just went and had a 10-day like sleepover in this upper room. Um, maybe the 11 disciples, they didn't really have much to do. They were recently unemployed. So the 11 disciples probably just kind of sat around, but the rest of them, you know, they had jobs, they had families, but they made sure to come and to gather every day to pray, to pray and to wait for the Holy Spirit. And some of them I'm sure were filled with hope, but I'm sure many of them, this is a really distressing time of waiting for them, right? Jesus had just gone up into heaven uh, they're in turmoil. They kind of had an idea of how things were going to go, and it turned out very different. And so here they are, and they're in this really tough, uh, almost agonizing time of waiting. And I don't know about you, but I have a mixed relationship with waiting. Sometimes I like to wait, but most of the time I don't. And I feel like nowadays people are catching on to that, and there's things that have popped up out of our desire to not have to wait for stuff. I think the best example of this is Netflix, right? Netflix. So if, if you don't know me, I'm actually from Nebraska. In Nebraska, we have this thing called Nebraska Cornhusker football. And I'm just saying, that red N, that's a beautiful thing, right? <laughs> Netflix is awesome, and so is Husker football. I see you shaking your head, Mississippi State. Nebraska football is awesome. <laughs> All right, anyway, back on track. Netflix. So Netflix rose out of this thing that people were like, you know what, how, you know how shows come on every week? Yeah, I'm sick of that. I just want to watch it all. Watch it all at the same time. Binge watch. They put the whole season out. You can just watch the whole season. It's a beautiful thing. On a separate note, a lot of my kids love the TV show Friends. I don't know why. They're always talking about Friends, and I'm like, talking about Friends? Like, years ago Friends? They love Friends. They'll binge watch Friends, Okay. But Netflix came out with this thing, because they're innovating on this thing about not waiting. So now not only can you binge watch your shows, but now they have a thing called Skip Intro. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So now, when you're watching 20 consecutive episodes of something back to back to back, you no longer have to listen to the theme song 
and what happened last episode because you just watched it, right? You can skip the whole intro, which to me is like, it's good and bad because I love the show Criminal Minds. Does anybody else watch Criminal Minds? Yeah, with the FBI agents. I like know that song. I hear that song in my sleep sometimes after a day of watching Criminal Minds, okay? <laughs> so maybe it's a good thing, maybe it's a bad thing. But now you can skip the intro and watch. So we, we've, we've bypassed waiting with Netflix, but it seems like one of the few areas we can't really bypass waiting is at the airport, especially when we wait for our baggage, right? So I was, I was reading Pastor Ron, we were talking about waiting, so he sent me this article, and in the Houston airport, they found that almost all of their complaints were centered around this time of waiting for your baggage. So taking, you know, the example of United Airlines, they hired some MMA fighters to just deal with, no, I'm just kidding. Um, I'm going to get an angry email. But um, no, so what they did is they were like, okay, we need to fix this problem. Obviously, this is an issue people don't like waiting for their baggage. So what they did is they, they hired more baggage handlers, uh, they trained, and they got that wait down to like eight minutes. That's the, I mean, the, the, the lowest they could get was eight minutes, and they waited, and it didn't even make a dent in the complaints. So what they did instead is they moved the terminal further away from the baggage claim. <laughs> it was the same amount of waiting, but people were walking, and they plummeted. The complaints plummeted, because those people were walking for eight minutes. By the time they got there, their bag was already there, and then they wouldn't complain. All right. So sometimes it's not even just the waiting, but what we do while we're waiting. But sometimes we like to wait. Now, um, I don't know what it is. Every time I preach, I talk about how I love presents. I, hopefully it's not just that I'm, you know, that much into presents, that much into things. What's that term? Um, but I do love presents. And one of the best things about becoming an adult is there's this thing that's kind of like Santa Claus for adults called Amazon, right? Amazon has everything in the world you could possibly want. You're like, oh, I want this. I go on, I buy it, they send it to me. And so what we do is, my wife was like, okay, we can't just keep shipping stuff here. It's expensive, so, so we had to wait. So they have this thing where if you get up to about $50 worth of stuff, they ship it for free, right? So if I wanted something, I had to wait till there was enough things that we wanted that it was around $50 so I could ship it. But then I discovered something, and it has changed our lives, called Amazon Prime. Yes, <laughs> Amazon Prime. Right. So at Amazon Prime, for the you know, very cheap fee of $100 a year, they will send stuff to you right away for free. On the mainland, it's two days, but we have this thing called the Pacific Ocean that kind of gets in the way of that. Right? So they'll ship it to you, though, for free. So now, instead of getting a box like once every three months, we get like three or four boxes a month. You know? And I love waiting for Amazon packages. I love, they send you that email so you can like, track it. So like every other hour you're following as your mailman is like, you know, bringing it to your house. And then they'll shoot you an email when it arrives. And I come home from work and I'm like a little boy on Christmas morning, you know. They say they put it on the front porch, but they have a very loose interpretation of what a porch is. But it's somewhere around our house. And we come home, we find it, we open it up, and it's like Christmas morning. All right, so I love waiting for Amazon packages. I hate waiting for baggage. But Jesus has called his disciples to wait. They're supposed to wait. And it kind of has elements of both of those because he says, I'm going to give you a gift, right? The Holy Spirit's going to come and it's going to be even better than when I was there. It's going to be so awesome. But it also has elements of that idea of waiting for baggage because they want it to come now. And they kind of don't know what to do with themselves in the meantime. And a lot of times Jesus calls us to wait as Christians. And sometimes it's something as silly as waiting for an Amazon package, but sometimes it's not something silly. Sometimes it's something that's, that's really hard. 
and really distressing, like it probably was for these disciples, having just lost Jesus. Sometimes you guys are called to wait for a biopsy, and you don't know what it's going to mean. Sometimes you guys are called to wait for that phone call that never comes, or that conversation with someone you love that you don't want to have, and you're both avoiding. Waiting can be agonizing. And in a room this size, you guys have experienced times of waiting that I can't even, I can't even comprehend how that must have hurt and what that must have been like. But I do think we can look at this passage. We can look at how the disciples waited and what they did in that waiting time, right? Because we can learn from them. Because like those people walking to their baggage, sometimes what you do while you're waiting makes all the difference. So I want us to look back at that passage. It says what they did while they were waiting. They met together. They all met together and were constantly united in prayer. So the first thing they did is they met together. They met together. If you look throughout the Bible, after you've started reading the Bible for a while, there are things that come up a lot. And one of the things that comes up a lot in the New Testament is this idea of don't give up meeting together. Don't stop meeting together. And I think the reason it comes up so often is the same reason that we need to talk about it today is because a lot of times it sounds like it would be easier to be a Christian away from other people, you know? We want to be the Obi-Wan Kenobi going off into the hills and like, I'm going to practice my religion over here and you guys can leave me alone. But we're reminded over and over and over in the New Testament, that's a great religious thing. It's just not Christianity. Christianity is not a solo sport. You weren't meant to do this alone. They met together in that time of agonizing waiting. Second thing they did is they prayed. They prayed. Pastor Ron talked about this idea that the Holy Spirit fills us up. And now when we pray, our prayers are heard in heaven. Did you know that? In Hebrews, it says that Jesus has become our high priest. And he, he is up in heaven and he is on your side. And he is making your prayers known to God himself. So when we pray, it matters. So in those times of waiting, we pray. And lastly, and we're going to look at this later in, in, this, in this verse we're reading, is they, they look to the scriptures. Because we can hear the Spirit inside of us in our moments of quiet. We can hear the Spirit through other people. But also, we have the Bible. And God speaks so clearly through the Bible if we would really read it. Not as a textbook, uh, not as a... Uh, basic instructions before leaving earth. It's one of my least favorite Bible acronyms. And if you use it, I'm sorry, I don't mean to, to, to pick on you, but if all the Bible is is basic instructions before leaving earth, then there's no point in reading it. And that's not what it says about itself. It says it's, it's living and it's breathing and it's, it has power. So we have to look at the scriptures. Okay, we're going to look at what Peter uh, was talking about. So it says, During this time, when about 120 believers were together in one place, Peter stood up and addressed them. Brothers, he said, the scriptures had to be fulfilled concerning Judas, who guided those who arrested Jesus. This was predicted long ago by the Holy Spirit, speaking through King David. Judas was one of us, and he shared in the ministry with us. I want to point at that. Judas, Judas was one of us and shared in the ministry with us. We're going to talk about that in a little bit, but... This seems like an interesting topic. Why, why would he bring this up? But if we look, I love that he says that. Long ago, the Holy Spirit predicted this through King David. 
Because Peter, the, the Pentecost hasn't happened, right? The Holy Spirit hasn't fallen in that new and special way, and yet Peter hears from the Holy Spirit through the Psalms about what his people need to hear right now about Judas. And let's keep reading. It gets a little bit graphic and a little bit weird, but this is what it says. Judas had bought a field with the money he received for his treachery. Falling headfirst there, his body split open, spilling out all his intestines. The news of his death spread to all the people of Jerusalem, and they gave the place the Aramaic name Al-Keldama, which means field of blood. Nowadays, with our you know, great graphics and movies, I think we can all kind of see that in our head. You know, Let's keep reading. Peter continued, this was written in the book of Psalms where it says, let his home become desolate with no one living in it. It also says, let someone else take his position. And that's Psalm 69, what he keeps referencing and the quotes he pulls from is Psalm 69. Now, if you are ever called upon here at KCC to run a prayer meeting, I don't want to tell you what to do, but I would maybe not start with Judas and his intestines. Maybe I wouldn't open with that, you know, maybe get further into the prayer meeting before we start talking about Judas intestines. But for these people right then, this is what they needed to hear. This is what the Holy Spirit gave to Peter to talk to them about. I tried to put myself in the mindset of these people that just had one of their own. You know, Peter says, Judas was one of us, had just betrayed them had just given up the Son of God. And they were probably very angry with Judas and wondering, was this God's plan or did, did Judas mess it up? And so Peter says, no, the, the scriptures have said this had to happen. And I think they have feelings of, you know, if, if this happened and this is what happened with Judas, if, if Judas betrayed him, what does that say about Jesus? A little bit more than a month ago, we, we had a Good Friday service and our, our drama ministry did a great job and they shared with us that this drama about uh, Peter and his denial and all these people, all these different historical characters that surrounded him, and they talked about their point of view on Jesus. And one of the people that they talked about was a, a woman who had witnessed Judas being given the silver to betray Jesus. And she said, in that moment, I doubted who Jesus was, because how could someone who knew Jesus, how could someone who knew God betray him? And I think a lot of those people probably felt the same way. How in the world could one of the 12, these are the big followers that were with him from the very beginning, how could they betray Jesus? And I don't think that's an antiquated thing. I think sometimes we think similar things about when people make mistakes nowadays. Right? When a pastor falls, it's all over the news. And it's not just a matter, of course, it's a big deal when a pastor messes up. And pastors seem to have messed up in every legal and possible way they can. They do. And people use that as ammunition against the church. See? The church is just like every other organization. The church is just... And, and what, what does that say about Jesus? And a lot of times the church doesn't help because when someone makes a mistake in the church, what do we do? We push them away. Right? We push them away. But here's the awesome thing. The church is just like in every other organization except for one thing, and that's Jesus. Because we need to understand that the effectiveness of Jesus' ministry on earth had so much more to do with who Jesus was than who Judas was. 
And that's not just true of Judas. It had so much more to do with who Jesus was than who Peter was, right? Because Peter messed up. We saw it. Norm, you played Peter, you know? He was Peter up here, and he was just messing up all over the place, cutting people's ears off, you know, denying Jesus. It has so much more to do with Jesus than it does with Peter. It has so much more to do with Jesus than it does with James and John. James and John, who, like, a couple weeks before this, are trying to, like, move other disciples out of the way and move their way up the ladder. We need to understand this, that the ministry of God is accomplished by God through his people. And that makes all the difference. The ministry of God is accomplished by God through the people of God. And so the best PR move for Peter probably would have been to distance himself from Judas, right? He would have walked up to the podium. There would have been mics, you know. He pulls out a a statement prepared by his lawyer saying, oh, you know, Judas, yeah, he was loosely affiliated uh, with our organization. He helped with a couple, uh, you know, some fundraisers, but he really wasn't a big part of our organization, right? That's the better PR move. You minimize, you distance yourself. Deny, deny, deny. Instead, what does he say? He says, Judas was one of us. He shared in all of our ministry with us. Because Peter wasn't concerned about the ministry of Jesus because it wasn't dependent on Judas. And that makes sense for us today. The awesome thing about the ministry of Jesus that happens at Kaimiki Christian Church, it has nothing to do of whether I show up or not. If Lisette doesn't come and play these keys, worship will still happen here. Because he was here before anyone else arrived this morning. And he'll be here long after I'm dead and gone. He was speaking to you this morning when you woke up, and it had nothing to do with me. Because the ministry of God goes wherever you go. That's what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Where you step in his spirit, in his name, the ministry of Jesus goes with you. And while that's an awesome thing and that relieves some of the pressure, that doesn't take us off the hook. And that doesn't take Judas off the hook. Our Ohana group has been going through the book of Hebrews for the last uh, many weeks. And Hebrews is my favorite, favorite book of the Bible. Um, And so we were reading through it and we got to this part in Hebrews 10. And it's one of the most sobering passages of scripture for a Christian. Romans 10, 23 through 39. And we're going to start in 23. And it starts off pretty, pretty upbeat. And this is what it says. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promise. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together. There it is. So many times in scripture, don't neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. And here's where it takes that turn. Dear friends, if we deliberately continue sinning after we have received knowledge of the truth, there is no longer any sacrifice that will cover these sins. There is only the terrible expectation of God's judgment and the raging fire that will consume his enemies. For anyone who refused to obey the law of Moses was put to death without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. Just think how much worse the punishment will be for those who have trampled on the Son of God and have treated the blood of the covenant which made us holy as if it were common and unholy and have insulted and disdained the Holy Spirit who brings God's mercy 
to us. And I want to leave that passage up because the reason that Judas is cursed, the reason all that happened to Judas is not that he messed up. It's not that he betrayed because we've all betrayed. It's that he turned his back. He treated the blood of the covenant, the blood of Jesus, as if it was something common to be traded for silver. And he insulted and disdained the Holy Spirit that would have been his deliverance. And instead, he traded it for money. It's not that he messed up because Peter, James, John, they messed up, and yet they share in the promise of God. It's not that he messed up because we've all messed up, and yet we share in the promise of God. But here's where it gets exciting again. In verse 35, it says this. So do not throw away this confident trust in the Lord. Remember the great reward it brings you. Patient endurance is what you need now so that you will continue to do God's will. Then you will receive all that he has promised. For in just a little while, the coming one will come and not delay. And my righteous ones will live by faith. But I will take no pleasure in anyone who turns away. Judas turned away. And this is one of my favorite passages in all scripture. Verse 39, it says, But we are not like those who turn away from God to their own destruction. We are the faithful ones whose souls will be saved. We're called to a greater faith than Judas had. We are not one of those who turns away and are destroyed. We're the ones who, who have faith and are saved. We're saved and we have faith because the Holy Spirit, because we can gather together. We don't give up getting together with other people full of the Spirit. We don't give up praying constantly to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And we don't forget to open our Bible and to hear the Holy Spirit's voice through Scripture. I want to finish Acts 1, and we get into this, this process of picking a new disciple, and this is what it says. So now we must choose a replacement for Judas from among the men who were with us the entire time we were traveling with the Lord Jesus. From the time he was baptized by John until the day he was taken from us, whoever is chosen will join us as a witness of Jesus' resurrection. So they nominated two men, Joseph called Barabbas, also known as Justice, and Matthias, when they all prayed, O oh Lord, you know every heart. Show us which of these men you have chosen as an apostle to replace Judas in this ministry, for he has deserted us and gone where he belongs. When they cast lots and Matthias was selected to become an apostle with the other 11. It's probably good they picked Matthias since apparently Joseph had a lot of names. Joseph called Barabbas, also known as Justice. I saw Justice earlier today down in the youth, and I was like, Justice, we're talking about you today. Now, the, the really cool thing is that we've gone through this, the rest of, of the end of chapter one, and there are some amazing things that we, that we can pull from that, but if we hadn't talked about all that, then this would be the most important part, right? Because if, if it's dependent on people to do the ministry of God, then we need to figure out if it's Matthias, because there's two prevailing theories and a lot of scholars on either side. Some think that Matthias was the guy. He's the guy they, could, they should have picked. But a lot of other people think that they should have waited. And in fact, it was Paul who came later. Paul, who's apostle to the Gentiles. They think we should have waited. Paul was really the 12th disciple. And I don't want to say this flippantly, but I don't think it matters. Because it's the ministry of God accomplished by God through his people. And God used Matthias. Matthias goes on to be a disciple, and he, he's the apostle in Georgia, modern-day Georgia. That's the country, not the state of Georgia. 
You're all thinking like, I didn't know we had an apostle to Georgia. Right? I'm sure Matthias did talk like that, but... But Matthias went on, he was martyred in either Ethiopia or Rome. He did amazing things for the kingdom of God. And certainly we can't diminish Paul, who gave us much of the New Testament, who was the apostle to the Gentiles, who came in just in the right time when Peter and the rest of them were thinking of falling back into Judaic tradition. And we can't diminish Paul. And the awesome thing is we don't have to diminish either. Because it's the ministry of God accomplished by God through people. The ministry of God accomplished by God through his people. And to return us to the beginning of what we started today when we were talking about waiting, the thing about it is if the ministry of God is accomplished by God, that means sometimes we, the people of God, have to wait. Because if the ministry of God is accomplished by Charlie, then wherever I go, the ministry of God's happening, right? Let's get started. But we don't see that in the Bible. We see sometimes Paul or Peter are outside of a city or outside of a, a region and they stop and they're like, you know what, I don't think I'm supposed to go there. Because the Spirit of God has not gone before us. The Spirit of God's not leading us in that way. And so they're told to wait. If the ministry of God was accomplished purely by people, then right when Jesus went up into heaven, they'd be like, all right, guys, let's get it started. What do you think? Uh, yep, marketing. All right, you're going to be in charge of marketing. You, learn guitar. You know what I mean? It's not about the people. It's about the Spirit of God. And that's an awesome, awesome thing. They understood something that I think Moses understood best. Our youth right now are learning about the life of Moses. And uh, we haven't gotten to this part yet, but there's this part where, where God says, okay, you guys can go ahead to the promised land, but I'm not going with you. And one of the reasons I love Moses is this is what he says. He says, if you don't personally go with us, then don't make us leave this place. How will anyone know that you look favorably on me, on me and on your people, if you don't go with us? For your presence among us sets your people and me apart from all other people on the earth. The Lord replied to Moses, I will indeed do what you have asked, for I look favorably on you, and I know you by name. Isn't that cool? It's the presence of God that distinguished Moses and Peter and Paul and Matthias and Pastor Ron and Lisette and me and you. It's the Spirit of God that distinguishes us to all the nations on this earth, to all the other people on this earth. It's the Spirit of God that distinguishes us. It's not that we're perfect. It's not that we've figured out how to be the most moral of all people. It's not that we don't have Judases in our past or people that make mistakes that are members of the church. And they are, they're full members, people that love Jesus that make horrible mistakes. And it's not that we always know exactly what to do in that waiting time, right? It's not that when we have times of waiting, times where it's hard, we're like, don't worry, I got this, I'm a Christian. No, it's the Spirit of God that distinguishes us. And it's because of the Spirit of God we know and we have learned from Scripture that when we are in a tough time of waiting, what do we do? We don't give up gathering together. Because the Spirit of God is felt so powerfully amongst the assembly of his people. We pray because when we pray, 
Because of the Holy Spirit, our, our prayers are heard in the throne room of God himself. And lastly, we don't forget to open up our scripture. We don't forget that his voice can be heard so clearly when we look at what he's already said through the people that have come before us. Let's pray together right now. Father God, we look to you. We love you. We know that it is your spirit, it is your power that distinguishes us as Christians. And we lean on you, Lord. I pray that for the people that are in a time of waiting, Lord, I pray strength for them. Lord, I pray perseverance like we read about in Hebrews for them. And Lord, I pray that they, would, that they wouldn't give up gathering with people that love you. They wouldn't give up praying. They wouldn't give up your word, but that they would maintain that perseverance through those tough waiting times. Lord, we love you, and it's in your name that we pray. Amen.